Hail Dictinus, grant us clear voices, strong sound, and good reads. No one saves us but ourselves. No one can, and no one may. We ourselves must walk the path. Welcome to Buddhism, the 197th episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of Gautama Buddha. You may call me Ode. Mary Meet, my name is Gwyn, and what episode are we on? 197. 197? Uh-huh. Damn! <laughs> we're getting close to 200. Close. Closing in we're, on it, We're yeah. going to have to, like... I have nothing special planned. <laughs> we're going to have to special plan something. I don't something. know. We'll think about we'll it. We'll have to think about it. we got a couple of weeks. Uh-huh. Yeah. Holy shit! <laughs> so, housekeeping, first of all. We are not teaching, but we will be at the Harvest Festival at Wolf Run. Yes, we will be present on we'll Saturday. We'll be present on this Saturday at Wolf Run in Remus, Michigan. Mm-hmm. Just um, to hang out. Just to hang out. Because the Harvest Festival at Wolf Run is beautiful. It's a good time. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And then I am going to actually be teaching the Mid-Michigan Pagan Alliance Pagan Campout, which is Friday, August 19th through the 21st. I still don't know the exact schedule. I'll only be there for Saturday and Sunday. I think they do still have a couple of campsites available and some registration, you know, some tickets maybe still available. And you can find that on the Mid-Michigan Pagan Alliance Pagan Campout Facebook event page. That one I'll actually be teaching. I'm Mm going to be teaching on Hecate and Hera in the 21st century. I'm just going to announce this. So a thing you may not know about me is that I I come from an art background and I love tiny things. So I've combined those two passions into painting miniature figurines, like for role playing. Oh my god, I should take a picture of the ones that I bought. Yeah, you can do that and we'll put it in the behind the scenes. Oh, so Um, cute. So I've I've started doing that, and I have nowhere to put them. So my solution to this is that I've just made an Etsy shop where I'm going to sell the ones that I'm done painting. So if you're interested in that, you can find it at Etsy.com slash shop slash ode to minis. Um, they are tiny, and they are They're adorable. very, very small. The two that I have grace both of my monitors uh-huh. in my bedroom. I might need to buy a couple more to grace my monitors at work. Little tiny 25mm to 32mm figurines that you can use mostly for role playing and stuff like that um you could use them decoratively i suppose gwyn does that's what i do so you know they're because they're fucking adorable <laughs> yeah but that's that's just a hobby thing i do i paint them because i enjoy it and i need to get them off of my bookshelves so if you want some <laughs> that's where you can get them that's right um but it is the first of the month and so it is time for the reading of the patron names yes. one second while i bring it up everybody sit back relax <laughs> we have 40 kittens we love you kittens thank you to all of our kittens we have 28 cats, and their names are Tiffany Kozash, Willow Green, Ebby, Nikki Norcross, Ashley Harkins, Amber Ullman, Kelly Burt, Erin Kathleen, Nova Misko, Annabelle Lee, Firesong, Kelly Flower, Rose Shepherd, The Dryad, J.D., Summer the Barbarian, Claire K.R. Miller, Cabra, Christine Phillips, Melkor, Squiggy, Elisa Durka, Kelly Burt, Connie Briggs, Shokora, Rebecca Hillman, Laura Loki, and Cindy Barrick. We love our cats. Yes, thank you to our many, thank many you. cats. We have 65 hunters. Hello, hunters. We love you. Nice round number. And their names are Hexaluna, Hannah Zegedy, Mike Stanley, Sahara Rose, Callie Brown, Laurel Jade, Misa Sky, Fanockery, Tony Ghost, Asipiter, Ivy Rose, Michaela, Cameron Grant, Ashley Ann, Maharet, Darby, Talia Franks, Justin Harrell, Starlight Lokison, Mel Renee, 
Hell's Tally, O.K. Lee, Druidic Heart, Daughter of Oak, Mach 2556, Alicia Noble, Precious Fire, Heather Lewis, Sophia Duncan, Roanoke the Wiccan Wizard, Kitty Catastrophe, Charlene Hughes, Goddess Incognito, Shybe, Rolfer, Andy Olson, La Petite Poison, Cara B, Loriana Lee Knapp, Melissa Gerben, Maddie Kunes, Megan Kipper, Corvus Felliday, Kai Oakenshield, Ryan Hopkins, Teresa Tomblin, Rochala and Dasveed, David Dashifen Keys, Zamina Kokoro, Amy Martin, Darian, Sky Bierce, Jax, Sarenth Odinson, Ushi Ursa, Victoria Selnas, Alyssa Addy, Ray Lathrop, Quinn Ann ASMR, Dahlia Darge, Jace Helmer, Jessica Jones, Laura Lai, Charles Howison, and Stevie Thompson. We love our hunters. We do. Thank you to our 65 hunters. That's right. We have four tigers, and their names are Weavers of the Web ATC, Kelly and Jim, Amanda Hicks, and Crystal of Apothecary Tees. We love you, tigers. We have 11 leopards, Jody Cozy, Luna, Swan Fairy Water, Kimberly Squeaky Reynolds, Alex Robinson, Shadows Raven 666, Eleanor Faithful, Chris Calibri, Jim Two Snakes, Gemma Atkinson, and Gary Bearstorm. We love our leopards. We have two panthers, Don Taylor and Melissa Negron Schilling. We love you panthers. Both of them have been panthers for a very, very long yes, time. Yes, they have. So we appreciate that mm-hmm, as well. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people who have been, been in their tier for a very long time. Yeah, we appreciate your, we your dedication. We so appreciate your dedication. And three jaguars. Jaguars. Lori Phillips. Nolan Hayes, and Justin Stanage. We love our Jaguars. Yes. All right, that is the names of all of the patrons. And we love you all, each and every one of you patrons. We thank you. We appreciate you so much. Mm-hmm. Without you, we would not be able to do this. Yeah, quite literally. Quite literally. And so we just thank you. And just as a reminder, we have updated our patron levels on, mm-hmm. on some the, of the, the different... The rewards for the tiers. Yep, exactly. So... Um, if you're interested in, in being a patron, check those out. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, Hunters and Above get to listen live during the recording. Yes, you get to hear the pre-edited version. That's right. Which some of you apparently consider a treat. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, we do. We seriously thank you, each and every one of you, for sticking with us, for the new ones and the old ones and mm-hmm. just everyone in between. And, of course, we love all of our listeners. We we thank you. We appreciate you. And now I believe we are done with housekeeping? I think so. Okay, we are housekept and... Housewept. And we may now proceed to what will be a very brief overview <laughs> of our understanding of Buddhism. Because our understanding of such a rich, ancient... <laughs> And just amazing uh, religion, philosophy, outlook on life. I mean, it's... B- Buddhism is one of the oldest religions in the yeah, world. Yeah, and it, and it fits into so many things, you know, and, and people have drawn from it and built upon it. And mm-hmm. it's really, it's really... Many branches. Many, many branches built from Buddhism. I guess we'll, we can start with the, because we've been calling it a religion, but there is actually some d- debate, some yeah. discussion about whether that is the appropriate word for it or if it should be called more of a philosophy. I think it depends on how you approach it. Mm-hmm. I think for many people it is a religion, and there's different variations on that religion mm-hmm. and different understandings uh, of it as a religious order mm-hmm. and uh, how it applies to life. But then 
it is a philosophy mm-hmm. for many, many people. And you certainly have people who consider themselves secular who mm-hmm. practice Buddhist tenets and practices. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it might behoove us to start where it began. Yes, with uh, Siddhartha Gautama. Yes, uh, um, historically an Indian prince um, who lived in the area of northern India and Nepal, mm-hmm. that general area. Um, he was a prince of the Shakya clan, mm-hmm. is my understanding. Yeah, which was a warrior clan mm-hmm. at the time. And he is often called Shakyamuni, sage of the Shakyas. Mm-hmm. And there's legend about him because I think, you know, they have history about him. Right. But then there's a legend of how he became And after 2,600 years, because he was born... 2,600 years yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. After is, that much time, it is hard to disentangle the man and the myth. Exactly. But according to legend, at least what I have been able to find, it says that after his birth, there was a prophecy that Siddhartha would either be a powerful king or a great spiritual leader. And his father, who was the king and obviously the, the leader of this warrior clan, he wanted his son to be a great king. You know, to inherit mm-hmm. his lands and to be this great ruler, um, to go down in history as a powerful king. And so what he did is that he, to ensure that his son would have every privilege, cut him off from life in the kingdom. He was, Right. He, he tried to make sure he'd have no reason to become interested in, in yes. religious pursuits. Exactly. So he lavished him with everything. A, sheltered a, him. Sheltered him. Everything a young prince could want while uh, hiding the harsh realities of life from him. Mm-hmm. But as does happen, you know, the, this young prince grew into a young man who eventually married, had a son of his own, but was dissatisfied with his life. I mean... The golden cage yeah, phenomenon. It, yeah, exactly. He had everything he could possibly want, everything handed to him literally mm-hmm. on a golden platter, and yet he felt... Like he was missing something, Mm -hmm. you know. So at the age of 29, it is said that he went beyond the palace walls. Now, for the first time. For the first time. And it doesn't say how that happened, if he went in disguise. No, but I think I think, I think what I read was that he took a chariot ride. He did. My my question is, it's like, did he... Did was he, it known? Was it known <laughs> that he was taking this chariot ride? Because his father had gone to great lengths mm-hmm. to protect him and keep him sheltered and keep him from going outside. Mm-hmm. But yes, this was... Of course, a, at 29, he may no longer have been able to, to prevent him. Exactly, exactly. And of course, what's a guard or mm-hmm. someone going to do when the prince comes along and says, no, I'm Oh, and out I'm there. Going to you see know, what is in the world. I'm seeing what is in the world. So he went on a series of journeys, these mm-hmm. uh, these chariot rides, mm-hmm. and he saw suffering. He was exposed to illness, suffering, and ultimately to death. For the first time in his life. For the first time in his life. At the age of 29. So if you ever think life is over before you're 30, no, it's not. <laughs> mm-hmm. Basically left the gilded cage behind Mm -hmm. but also you know left everything that he was familiar with behind and went on a spiritual journey Mm -hmm. and it was a very difficult spiritual journey as i understand he Mm -hmm. sort of swung too hard in the other direction he'd lived this life of supreme indulgence and Mm -hmm. so he was like all right well i guess the solution to my spiritual bereftness is the opposite of that Mm -hmm. extreme asceticism yeah exactly and so he would do these long fasts and, and things like this and live in these extremely difficult conditions to a degree that almost killed him, mm-hmm. reportedly, a couple of times. Mm-hmm. But on these journeys, he, he did 
ultimately, as a spiritual seeker, he had a revelation that there is a way out of this suffering. Right, samsara. Some, the, yeah. the cycle of suffering. Exactly, and it's the middle path. He had been doing meditations during his whole ascetic journey, mm-hmm. but they weren't, like, granting him the wisdom he, mm-hmm. he sought. So he decided to meditate under this particular tree, which is now called the Bodhi tree. It wasn't mm-hmm. called that at the time. But he decided to meditate under this tree, and he meditated for 49 days. Mm-hmm. 49 is a very important number in Buddhism because mm-hmm. of this. And he meditated for 49 days, and on the 49th day, he, like transcended into like this perfect meditative state Mm -hmm. and he had this revelation about samsara and he became enlightened exactly and and he became the buddha yep the awakened awakened one one. Mm -hmm. and what he came to understand is what they call the four noble truths Mm -hmm. and those are one there is suffering Mm -hmm. two there is a cause of suffering three there is an end to suffering. And four, the way out is the Eightfold Path. And the Eightfold Path is one, right view. So seeing things as they are. Mm-hmm. So you could also say right understanding. Mm-hmm. Two, right intention. So approaching things with the right mindset. Mm-hmm. Three, right speech. So speaking, making sure that your words are not in going to cause harm to someone. Mm-hmm. Four, right action, making sure that your actions and behaviors aren't going to cause harm to someone. Five, right livelihood, making sure that your practice and your work are ethical and to the benefit of people instead of to the detriment of people. Mm -hmm. Six, right effort, which is about like concentration Mm -hmm. and focusing on the fact that all of your other paths are intended to reduce suffering and improve life um, and to move you towards enlightenment seven right mindfulness which is awareness of the self and the states of the self Mm -hmm. and eight right concentration which is like the meditation Mm -hmm. side of the the buddhist path exactly and bringing yourself into that enlightened state until eventually you reach nirvana right believe is the ultimate goal. nirvana and enlightenment seem to be like synonymous Mm -hmm. in a sense like it's you don't reach enlightenment periodically enlightenment is a state you strive for and when you reach it you are awakened Mm -hmm. and have achieved nirvana which i my understanding is that nirvana means that when you die you will no longer be reborn Right, so and you, you won't have, get on this wheel Yeah, of, you have escaped the cycle of samsara. Right, right, exactly. And the thing that I found um, as I was reading all of this is Buddhism is not pessimistic, but realistic. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say, oh, it's, you know, it's all about suffering and aestheticism and cutting yourself off from life, and that's not true. No, it, it is, and part of the reason it's called the middle way mm-hmm. is because the Buddha recognized mm-hmm. that he had gone too far with the asceticism mm-hmm. and that that wasn't the right way either. Mm-hmm. And then, but neither was but o- neither total was indulgence. Exactly, yeah. So the Buddhism is intended to be mm-hmm. sort of, Threading the needle between those two extremes. Now, I know that there are, you know, various teachings with, you know, and various types of Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Some may be more aesthetic than others. Um, I suppose it depends on what it they does. focus on in their belief system. But yes, ultimately, 
that is the point of Buddhism as was taught by the Buddha. Um, Gautama Buddha. Gautama Buddha was that there is this middle way. So there is happiness sadness because everything changes you know there there's it's impermanence it's impermanence exactly nothing lasts and that's an inseparable fact of life this is actually part of one of the the tenets of buddhism that i think is really confusing to people that was really confusing to me until i started looking into it so there's this concept of not self Mm -hmm. uh, which has been sort of broadly interpreted i think especially in the western world Mm -hmm. as not having an intrinsic self. Like the Buddhist belief is that people don't have a personal individual identity. But that doesn't necessarily seem to be the case. So there are a couple of layers to unpack here. But the first thing to address is that the general Buddhist perception Mm -hmm. of the self is not so much that there is no self, Mm -hmm. but that the self is a changing, flexible thing, which is something we've talked about before. Like you're constantly a work in progress. You are a perpetually developing being. Mm -hmm. Your brain is not like a complex of thoughts. It's a series Mm -hmm. of neurons that have habits Mm -hmm. in terms of the way the electrical impulses move through them. The person you are today is not the person you were 20 years ago Mm -hmm. because of choices and and Very unlikely to be the person you are 20 years from now. Exactly. Because of choices and experiences. Exactly. So the Buddha seems to have received that sort of understanding Mm -hmm. of the self as, probably because he himself went from spoiled, sheltered prince Mm -hmm. to wandering monk and was like, I am no longer that person. Mm -hmm. So clearly there's not like an intrinsic me that was Prince. And now I'm a whole separate person. I am this changing being. Mm -hmm. So that's part of the precept of not, of non-self. Right. But the other part of it is that the Buddha refused to comment on the subject of whether people had selfhood. His opinion was that that was the kind of like theological debate that could only cause confusion and frustration would only muddy the waters. In fact, he describes it as a thicket of confusion. And it seems to me like his middle path was meant to be very direct Mm -hmm. (laughs) in many ways. So Buddhism is interesting because there are actually, like there are monastic Buddhist traditions and there are lay Buddhist traditions. Mm -hmm. And... The requirements for monastic Buddhist traditions are not laid upon lay Buddhist traditions. Mm -hmm. So, like, the Buddha's principles that he laid out for Buddhist monks are much more stringent. Right. But there is a much more achievable path Mm -hmm. open to the lay Buddhist. Mm -hmm. Which I think is part of the thing that I appreciated, too, about this is that there is an end and practical action that can be taken in regard to pain, dissatisfaction, or just every, you know, just living your life, Mm -hmm. you know, this, because again, there are practical steps as part of eight of the eightfold path. Something I noticed and really appreciated. Yeah. About the, the Buddhist practices I was reading about is that it very much seems to be focused on like, first get your behavior Mm -hmm. sorted out and then you can look at, more complex sort of philosophical Philosophical questions. Mm -hmm. Like the question, so, so Maddie asks the self is the ship of Theseus. In other words, which the ship of Theseus is a 
thought experiment of if Theseus builds a ship and in the course of the journey, various parts of the ship are damaged and the planks that are damaged are removed and are replaced with new planks. And that happens over and over and over again over the course of years throughout the whole journey until by the time it reaches its destination, none of the original planks from the original ship of Theseus are still in the ship. Mm -hmm. Is it still the same ship of Theseus that left the original point? Mm -hmm. Do you have the same ship of Theseus at origin and destination? Or do you have two different ships? That's the thought experiment. And mm -hmm. there are whole branches of philosophy that have spent decades arguing this topic. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the, the Buddhist concept seems to be sort of it, it both is and is not the mm -hmm. ship of Theseus. <laughs> One could say that about the human experience as well, because uh -huh. over our lifetime, every single one of our cells changes. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you are not the same person. Faster than you think. Too. Yeah, much faster than you think. And it happens continuously mm -hmm. throughout your life. So and you don't notice it happening most it, of the time. Exactly. And, yeah. Exactly. So. so. So Buddhism, especially for the layperson, starts with very practical steps. Yes. Like... For like the very first step, become aware of mm -hmm. the ways in which you're causing harm. Mm -hmm. Like, don't even try to stop all the ways you're causing harm right off the bat. Just become aware of the ways you're causing harm. Words and, and actions. Exactly. And mm -hmm. then you can start to make an effort to reduce the harm you're doing mm -hmm. and to examine why you're causing that harm mm -hmm. and to address the deeper issues Within yourself. Within yourself that are causing you to, to enact that harm upon other people and also mm -hmm. upon your uh, upon yourself because Buddhism does believe in a system of karma. Mm -hmm. So if you perform negative actions, you build a debt that over many lifetimes you'll mm -hmm. have to work through and figure out. Mm -hmm. uh, at least lay Buddhism is mm -hmm. extremely practically oriented first. Mm -hmm. I also, um, I've had friends who were Buddhists. Most of the people that I've known who practice Buddhism mm -hmm. are usually, um, it's a form of, of like they are a secular person. They're not necessarily, it's not necessarily a religious practice mm -hmm. for them. It's a philosophy, a way of life and looking at the world. So something I found really interesting was the fact that Siddhartha Gautama, the Buddha mm -hmm. in his pre Buddha state, mm -hmm. um, he was born into a polytheistic yes. religion himself. There are a lot of stories about the Buddha interacting with various gods and deities, with various folk figures, so on and so forth. But the general precept in Buddhism, as far as I've been able to find, is that it doesn't take a position on the existence of gods right. necessarily, mm -hmm. but it behaves as if, if gods exist, mm -hmm. they are also trapped in the cycle of samsara. Mm -hmm. They have also not achieved enlightenment. Mm -hmm. So they can't help you achieve enlightenment. But they could, the same as human beings, achieve enlightenment themselves someday. Mm -hmm. So, like, the Buddhist principle basically is, like, if it exists, mm -hmm. it is trapped in samsara. So and if gods exist, they too are trapped mm -hmm. in samsara. Mm -hmm. The people that I've known who are, are Buddhists, mm -hmm. and they're like... it who treat it as a, a philosophy rather mm -hmm. than a religion. They are of the opinion that anyone can be a Buddhist and mm -hmm. can, can benefit from, from the Buddhist eight, teachings, from Buddhist teachings and the eightfold path be, because it is 
this way of viewing the world, a way of mm-hmm. viewing yourself and interacting and escaping samsara. <laughs> mm-hmm. Escaping suffering. Yeah, escaping suffering. There's a way of framing thoughts and actions in Buddhism that's really interesting. It is skillful and unskillful mm. action. And they're called that because skillful actions help you move closer to enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Unskillful actions move you farther away from enlightenment. That makes sense. The judgment is not good or bad. Mm-hmm. It's just closer to or farther from enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Skillful or unskillful. And I wonder if, you know, especially the way Western people have misinterpreted mm-hmm. karma, I think we take away from that. It's gone into from this skillful and mm-hmm. unskillful to a good and bad or, or a good and evil, or a even. good and evil type of thing when that's not really mm-hmm. how it was designed to be understood. Al says it's like the hot cold game. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Skillful actions, you're getting warmer. Uh-huh. <laughs> Unskillful actions, you're, you're getting, getting cold. <laughs> exactly, and it can you know take many many lifetimes, mm-hmm. depending on yeah, depending on uh, which. And to become enlightened. Which, yeah, which branch of of Buddhism you're yeah, in? Yeah, depending on the branch, um, because there are many many many. And this skillful and unskillful applies even to thoughts mm-hmm. um, and feelings. So thoughts that promote feelings of anger, greed, or delusion are unskillful. Mm-hmm. They move you farther away from enlightenment. Mm-hmm. Thoughts that promote feelings of generosity, compassion, um, that promote wisdom are mm-hmm. skillful thoughts. Mm-hmm. So like when you do meditation... The purpose of Buddhist meditation is not to empty your mind of thoughts. Which is a misunderstanding. A misinterpretation. A misinterpretation. The purpose of Buddhist meditation, most of the time, is to develop an awareness of your thoughts, Mm -hmm. to see them passing through your mind, Mm -hmm. and to assess them Mm -hmm. as skillful or unskillful. Mm -hmm. So when a thought passes through your mind and it makes you angry... You assess that thought as that's an unskillful thought. It will take me further away from enlightenment. And then you say, why does that thought make me angry? And you try to trace it back to the origin of that anger and address whatever that is. Mm -hmm. So like if someone was rude to you in a shop and it makes you angry, the question is, well, why am I angry about that? What's the actual problem? And if someone is rude to you in a shop, the problem is not that person's rudeness. Mm -hmm. The problem is your ego, Mm -hmm. that your ego was bruised by this person being rude to you. So the anger was built inside you. Mm -hmm. So that's something you have to address, not something that person has to address. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, uh, I think it goes much deeper than people understand or realize. I think it, you know, it's, it's something that you, you do practice it, mm-hmm. is, it is a practice it's not and it's it's definitely something you build up over it's time something you build up <laughs> over time and you learn how to recognize your thoughts and how to work through them mm-hmm. and how to be mindful mm-hmm. of your thoughts and I think a lot of times it starts with being mindful of your body mm-hmm. as well so that then you can be mindful of your thoughts and your feelings and your feelings because like I don't know about other people but I sometimes really struggle to identify what my feelings are and where they're coming from. But I can feel them in my body. And so this is harder with complex emotions. I haven't really figured those ones out yet. But simple emotions, I can feel anger in my body in a different way than I feel sadness in my body. Mm -hmm. They have different physical symptoms, if you will. 
and Buddhist meditation would mm-hmm. help you to be able to be aware of those, recognize those when you, mm-hmm. within your body. And then identify them as mm-hmm. as what, what the feeling is. Mm-hmm. And then try to trace it back to the yes. thought that caused it. Mm-hmm. And then try to trace that thought to its origin point mm-hmm. and address that actual problem instead mm-hmm. of just fixating on the thought that caused the feeling. Right. It's very deep and mm-hmm. it's very meaningful. For a practice takes... that developed 2,500 years before psychology existed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and shows you just how beautiful mm-hmm. and enlightened, Yeah, you know, that the Buddha was in this teaching. He really did have a, a very clear view he of did. humanity. He did. He had a very clear view of humanity. And, it, and we are, you know, over thousands of years now, mm-hmm. have been still, able... Still learning. We're still learning mm-hmm. because we're still interpreting and misinterpreting mm-hmm. and, and... Reinterpreting. <laughs> reinterpreting and, <laughs> and trying to apply and, uh-huh. and things of that nature. But yeah, I think a lot of the Buddha's teachings are still relevant today. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, Starlight Loki's Child says, I feel like I'm listening to my therapy group again. <laughs> Dialectical Behavioral Therapy, DBT, is based on Buddhism and CBT therapy, and which is cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. And I honestly hadn't looked into just how deeply connected they were. Yeah, I think they're, honestly, I think there's a lot. You know, the various types of meditation, mm-hmm. different types of, of therapies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that a lot of them have a root in Buddhism in a, in a way that maybe... That we're not always aware we're of. We're not always aware of. And, and also in a way that has made some Buddhist scholars concerned. Mm -hmm. There is actually, there have been some concerns raised by Buddhist leaders Mm -hmm. who said that although mindfulness is very helpful Mm -hmm. uh, an essential part of Buddhist practice and teaching Mm -hmm. and can be helpful for many, many people, Mm -hmm. they are concerned that mindfulness taught without Buddhism's focus on compassion and wisdom Mm -hmm. can lead to more selfishness. And And I can understand that. Yeah, it can can lead people to be more Mm self-oriented and more selfish and to do more harm Mm -hmm. because they're so focused on their own feelings and experiences because mindfulness detached from Buddhism Mm -hmm. doesn't necessarily have that focus on reduction of harm. Mm -hmm. And I I think that makes total sense Mm -hmm. because just like with many other things people will you know glom on to something that sounds Mm -hmm. really helpful or like a quick fix a quick fix and so i think a lot of people have liked the idea and and the philosophy of mindfulness Mm -hmm. and so they've applied it but it's been a possibly well not possibly probably applied too shallow mm-hmm. yeah it's become a shallower version of what is intended to be yeah that's yeah that's accurate and i've read many you know many books where i'm i if i think on it now mm-hmm. i'm looking at it going yeah it that is really, a very shallow that's a very interpretation. shallow interpretation of mindfulness that buddhism that it's just a tiny part mm-hmm. of the whole yeah it's you just know. taking out this one. It's appropriation is it, what it yeah, is. Yeah. It's taking out this one piece mm-hmm. without understanding its context. It's context within the whole mm-hmm. and its importance yeah. within the whole and how it all works together. Mm-hmm. It's seeing a beautiful statue mm-hmm. and recognizing the value in the gems that make up the eyes and taking those gems out mm-hmm. instead of just admiring the whole statue. And that's not to say that all mindfulness practice is in is been inappropriate or not done well, mm-hmm. but I think it is something that we need to be 
You need to be mindful of. of how you and practice mindful. mindfulness. Yes, be mindful of how you practice <laughs> mindfulness, mindfulness and its origins and how much deeper, mm-hmm. how much more satisfying and deeper it could help you to grow and to learn about the world mm-hmm. and how to interact with it. Yeah. The idea of, of mindfulness and, and a lot of practices and teachings in Buddhism mm-hmm. are not just for the reduction of your own suffering, mm-hmm. but for the development of a deep empathy for others with everything yeah. else. Yeah. Um, Creation. Because you should, <laughs> in the Buddhist principle, you, mm-hmm. should, you should be aiming not just for the reduction in harm to yourself, but mm-hmm. in the harm to everything. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ultimately. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's... That's a part that's often missing mm-hmm. from sort of our modern, especially Western, yeah. understandings of mindfulness and meditation mm-hmm. and, and all these things. Thanks to our Tiger Solanox for introducing us to Weavers of the Web, an interfaith pagan ATC, Aquarian Tabernacle Church, organization based in Lansing, Michigan. Weavers of the Web is a public Wiccan church that aims to be family-friendly, supportive, and informative with the goal of ensuring that no one ever need be alone in their spiritual needs. Weavers is currently raising funds for the down payment on a property, which would allow them to expand their current network of resources, including dedicated community space, a permanent home for a pagans in need pantry, and a lending library. Join them online or in person for regular events, including rituals and discussion groups, at weaversoftheweb.org or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash weaversatc. Hail Dictinus! Hail Dic- yes, I think while we in the Western world have recognized the many benefits and value and beauty mm-hmm. that is found within the Eightfold Path and within Buddhism, I think that, yes, we have cherry-picked mm-hmm. what sounds most appealing mm-hmm. and... Cut out a lot of the hard cut work. Out, cut out a lot of the hard work. Yeah, uh-huh. absolutely. And, you know, we've seen it a lot of different things. Sure. <laughs> this is not a, a new phenomenon. No, it's not. <laughs> but I think there's something to be said. And I'm saying this as someone who is not a Buddhist. Yes, neither of us are Buddhist neither. or have any Buddhist training. Nope, no training at all. Um, I, but I just think it's neat. I think it is very neat, and I can see the value in mm-hmm. studying it in a deeper sense. Yeah, even if it ultimately isn't the path for you. Yeah, I think it would certainly be it's enlightening, worth, enlightening <laughs> to, and worth to learning study it. about yeah. and to study and to understand what does right understanding, right thought, right speech, right action, right livelihood, right effort, right mindfulness, and right concentration mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, in a in a in person's practice. practice. Yeah, because I mean, we we use some of that same language in other contexts as well. Like mm-hmm. we in heathenry talk a lot, especially in animistic heathenry, we mm-hmm. talk a lot about right behavior, mm-hmm. about like achieving the the correct kind of relationship with the spirits around us, mm-hmm. which is a very sort of symbiotic one. And so, like, I, I would not be surprised at all if the first person who started describing that as right action mm-hmm. was influenced, influenced by the Eightfold Path. That's right. Because it's been around for 2,600 years. Mm-hmm. Obviously rounding. Rounding. <laughs> yeah. But the point is, it's been around for a long damn time. A good, a good long while. Good yes. long while. So I do want to make a distinction here. There's a difference between monastic Buddhism mm-hmm. and lay Buddhism, like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, meditation originally was a purely monastic 
tradition, mm -hmm. lay Buddhists didn't meditate. Right. There are plenty of monastic Buddhists who consider it not necessary to meditate to live a correct Buddhist life, especially in the branches where enlightenment is expected to take many lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Like, maybe this just isn't the lifetime where you're supposed to meditate on things. Maybe this is the one where you have to work on some other shit first. Like... And I think meditation really became kind of popular, at least in the Western sense, mm -hmm. and I didn't do any study on this, and I should have now that I'm thinking about it, is Zen Buddhism. Um, I think Zen Buddhism really kind of focuses on the meditation part. Right, and that's a very specific branch mm -hmm. within Buddhism. Mm -hmm. There are dozens, if not hundreds, of mm -hmm. um, Buddhist variations. Yeah. There are three major ones. Right. So the three major Buddhist sects that I was able to find are Theravada, which is the oldest surviving Buddhist sect. It's one of the sects that was started shortly after the Buddha's death mm -hmm. um, during one of the early Buddhist councils mm -hmm. to sort of debate how philosophy, the practice, the religion of Buddhism would, would be taught and preserved. Right. So Theravada is one of the oldest surviving traditions, and it is predominantly monastic. Mm -hmm. um, so most Theravadian... Buddhists are monks. They practice very strict form of Buddhism mm -hmm. that is based on the oldest surviving teachings of the Buddha. Mm -hmm. There is also Mahayana, which was uh, created in the first century CE. Theravada, which is the oldest surviving, is often now described as Southern Buddhism because as it developed, it moved further south through India. Mm -hmm. Mahayana is sometimes described as Northern Buddhism because as it developed in the first century moving forward, it spread further north in India. Mahayana has a really interesting distinction from Theravada. Theravadians believe that it always takes many lifetimes to achieve enlightenment. So most... Theravadian monks don't expect to achieve enlightenment in the course of their life. They're just trying to set themselves up well for the next life. Right. And that through this process, they will eventually achieve nirvana. Mm -hmm. Mahayanans believe that all persons possess what's called the Buddha nature. Mm -hmm. So all people already possess the seeds of enlightenment within themselves. And enlightenment is possible with dedication within one lifetime. Mm -hmm. So Mahayana uh, is not as monastic. It is slightly more flexible. It has more sort of mystical energy to it. Mm -hmm. um, I think because there's this sense that like if you focus and you work hard at it, you can achieve enlightenment in a single lifetime as the Buddha himself right. did. Right. And then there's a branch off from Mahayana, which developed in the 5th century CE, the Vajrayana. Um, and the Vajrayanans, they again believe in the Buddha nature, believe that you can achieve enlightenment in a single lifetime, but they describe themselves as the fastest path to enlightenment. They're highly ritualized. They practice a lot of mudras, a lot of particular types of meditation, a lot of very specific ritual behaviors. They believe in various uh, and have sort of incorporated a lot of various um, deities into the system. So that's mm -hmm. a, sort of a more religio-magical right. form of Buddhism. And those mm -hmm. are sort of the three main Buddhist sects. Mm -hmm. And the rest sort of filter down out of one of well, those. those. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Githa says, this may not fit in the scope of this episode, but isn't there a theory that Jesus actually studied Buddhism during his younger years 
years not now in the New Testament. Maddie says Jesus did everything under the sun before the New Testament ministry, according to early Christian Apocrypha. Yeah, the, if I don't know if, if if anyone here has actually read the the Apocrypha, mm-hmm. fascinating books. Read the Apocrypha. Very, very fascinating. They're not considered canonical, but no. they are fascinating reading. Um, I have not heard um, any academic sources claiming that Jesus studied Buddhism, but certainly there are similarities mm-hmm. in context related to harm, Mm -hmm. but those similarities also already existed in Judaism. Mm -hmm. Judaism itself has a lot of tenets about reducing harm and... How you treat your neighbor. Yeah, how, how, well, and how you behave in the world. And how you behave in the world. It it may be a a case of convergent evolution. Yeah, yeah. Rather than direct relationship. Yeah. These philosophies would be shared and and adopted Mm -hmm. and... And in some cases, uh, enforced. And enforced, yeah, so... And Buddhism is not, it's a 2,600-year-old religion. It is not mm-hmm. free from its scandals and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, occasional history of warmongering. Mm-hmm. Those things have definitely also happened in, in Buddhism, mm-hmm. in various sects uh, mm-hmm. that describe themselves as Buddhists, that believe they are Buddhist. And you can't say, like, oh, those aren't real Buddhists, because mm-hmm. then you're falling into a no-true-Scotsman fallacy. Exactly. So it's basically, it boils down to anywhere there are humans, there's going to be someone who's twisting and otherwise right and good philosophy to a bad end. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I do want to be clear that, like, although I definitely think Buddhism is a very cool philosophy that mm-hmm. has a lot to offer... It can be twisted and used mm-hmm. in uh, ways that I don't think were initially the intention. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Maddie says, no real Buddhist falls for the no true Scotsman fallacy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, <goodness>. Yeah. <laughs> and, and even within... Buddhism, there are sometimes debates about, like the, you may be familiar with the, um, the cases of the Buddhist monks self-immolating, um, in protest of some religious discrimination that was happening in Vietnam and in protest of the Vietnam War. And there's a lot of debate in, in Buddhism between the various branches about whether that was a right action Mm -hmm. about like, cause there, there are prohibitions in Buddhism about suicide Mm -hmm. because it's causing harm to yourself, which is a big no, no for a a philosophy that focuses on reducing harm. Mm -hmm. And so like you have some branches that say, no, unfortunately this was a, this was an unskillful action. Mm -hmm which will negatively affect their future lives. And some Buddhists saying, well, it caused harm to their physical body, but it was intended to enlighten to enlighten others, to bring right thought to mm-hmm. a situation. So it may have been justified. Yeah. So like you have these debates still yeah. happening now about that kind of behavior. And again, that's true of any religion, mm-hmm. any philosophy, any any teaching, spiritual teaching. Mm-hmm. Especially one that's been around as long as Buddhism. Exactly. There's going to be, you know, different people will have different interpretations, mm-hmm. different sects will be created. That doesn't take away from the initial right, the value teaching, of... the value or the origins from which all of these things mm-hmm. it just means, were created. It just means if you decide to pursue this path, mm-hmm. you'll have to decide where you fall on these exactly, issues. Exactly, exactly. Do you want to follow Buddhism as a religion? Do mm-hmm. you want to follow it as a philosophy? There's a lot to unpack there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Maddie says the suicide protesters might fall close to the idea of the bodhisattva, 
giving up enlightenment in the short term for the greater good. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's definitely an argument that's been made. And there are some branches that don't pursue the bodhisattva at all. Mm -hmm. Um, There are some who instead prefer the arhat, who are those who are close to enlightenment, Mm -hmm. um, great teachers. So, and and like I said, that stuff varies from branch to branch. The the Mahayana and the Vajrayana in particular work more with the bodhisattva Mm -hmm. concept. Mm -hmm. So there are a couple of other uh, sort of final points to clarify. So like uh, you may have heard that the Dalai Lama Mm. is the head of the Buddhist religion. That's not necessarily the case. No. The Dalai Lama is the head of Tibetan Buddhism, Mm -hmm. but is not the head of all Buddhists. Right. Tibetan Buddhism is its own sect. It's a speci- it's a specific sect of Buddhism, yeah, which mm-hmm. I it's I believe a, a Vajrayanan sect of Buddhism, mm-hmm. uh, Tibetan Buddhism. The other sort of bit of trivia that you may have heard, um, or that you may sort of have stuck in your brain, um, there are lots of ways that the Buddha is represented. Usually, you see him represented seated, mm-hmm. um, with sort of a serene smile. Um, sometimes he has a hand raised, sometimes he doesn't, um, sometimes he's presented under a tree, sometimes you see only his footprints represented, but a particular figure you may be familiar with and think is the Buddha is not. So the laughing Buddha is not the Buddha. Yep. The, the traditional big, fat, jolly, laughing, bald man in a robe mm-hmm. is actually Bodai, um, in Japanese, Hotei. He was a Chinese monk who probably existed sometime in the 10th century. His exact historicity is debated, but he is now considered a sort of a minor deity of contentment and abundance. Mm-hmm. He is not at all related to Buddhism. He was not a Buddhist. He is not a Buddha. He, like... Just the name, mm-hmm. Buddha and Bodai, I yeah. think, are how those they, things got, they got confused. confused, conflated, yep. The Laughing Buddha isn't, it's the Laughing Bodai. The <laughs> Laughing Bodai, yep. And he's wonderful. Yeah, he's, he's a great figure. Contentment and abundance are wonderful things to pursue, just mm-hmm. not a Buddha. That's right. There are more than one figure who are considered Buddhas. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you'll see three Buddhas represented, those represent... Gautama Buddha and two other Buddhas from specific regions. Mm-hmm. Buddha is a title, yeah. not an identity. Yeah, because Buddha means the enlightened one. Or the awakened one. The awakened one, yes. yes. It's also worth pointing out that Gautama Buddha himself specifically stated he was not a god. Right. He also specifically stated he was not a man anymore. Mm-hmm. He was awake. A separate state of being. He became Gautama, the awakened one. Yes. Siddhartha Gautama, the original human person, was no longer Gautama Buddha. Gautama Buddha replaced Siddhartha Gautama. Other people can, and in a few cases, have become Buddhas. Mm -hmm. It's very rare, but theoretically achievable. I think that's... That's it for all we have for I think so. this episode. Yeah. Then I did want to mention, Al Rhiannon did remind that um, Around Grandfather Fire uh-huh. um, had a guest to talk about Buddhism, like, on episode 15. Yes. So go listen to that. Um, Around Grandfather Fire does great interviews. I should do more interviews, especially for topics like this where I'm not mm-hmm. an expert myself. Yeah, because we're just basically telling you what we've learned. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I would recommend, you know, go 
on YouTube. Find some actual Buddhist teachers, mm -hmm. uh, people who practice Buddha, or if you know are, someone who practices there Buddhism. There are certainly plenty of, of Buddhist teachers who've been yeah. willing to share their teachings. Exactly. Um, and, I, and I've also, like I said, I've known some, some people who have been Buddhists over the years, mm -hmm. and they're always willing to share mm -hmm. their knowledge. Just um, maybe pick a sect or a path so yeah. you don't get confused jumping between the lessons of teachers from different paths. Yeah, yeah. make sure that, you know, if you're, inter if you're interested in Zen Buddhism, mm -hmm. then focus find... Focus on that. Yeah, if, focus if, on that. If you're interested in Mahayana or if the sort of ritual drama of Vajrayana mm -hmm. appeals to you, pursue one of those. Mm -hmm. All right, uh, I think we're going to call it quits for yeah, now. I think this is it. I think we've managed to do it. We did it. We did it. We covered the basics of Buddhism. The basics. From the our very limited non-Buddhist understanding. The very, the, the basic of basics. Uh-huh. Basis. The basicest. Basics. Yes. <laughs> I don't think we're practicing uh, right speech correctly. No, currently. we're definitely not, not practicing right speech. All right, we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up. On that note. Uh-huh. We're, we're gonna wrap it up. You can find us on Google if you Google the number three. And the letters P A A Z, or the number three, and the words pagans and a cat. Mm -hmm. And I have it on good authority that if you put that into Google, we come up first. That's what I've been told. So. <laughs> um, if you want to go directly to our website, it is at threepagansandacat.com. Mm -hmm. We have links to assorted things there. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a red bubble. Mm -hmm. We have a Patreon. Mm -hmm. We have. You can come um, visit me on uh, Instagram and on TikTok. Yes. I was going to say, Gwen has a TikTok. She make uses. sure it's actually me because mm -hmm. there are some fibbers some, out there pretending frauds. to be. So make sure you spell it correctly. Yep. Uh, and yeah, I think that's, that's everything. You can find us on assorted things in assorted yep. places. And I have in the past been writing at Patheos Pagan. It's mm -hmm. been a little minute uh -huh. since I've been on there. Been so a bit. I, I, been a bit. So I need to get back on there and need do some writing up. again. Need to catch up. Uh, get the asks. Do you have any specific recommended sources? I got most of my information from a combination of places. I got a lot of information from, honestly, Encyclopedia Britannica. That was where mm -hmm. I got a lot of the historical information. Um, but so I found a what is Buddhism course on a website called tricycle.org, which broke it down into like five lessons. Yeah, that's and I had a I bunch found of too. With, a, with a bunch of topics. And it was, it was a really interesting, approachable way to access that information. And best of all, it cites all its sources mm -hmm. at the end of each little lesson segment. It gives you links to where you can find out more. So, yeah, that's what I suggest. Yep, that's where I also went. So there you go. Buddhism. Check it out. Yep. <laughs> Pretty casual. Buddhism. Check it out. <laughs> all right. Uh, we're going to wrap it up. All right. We love you. Goodbye, friends. We'll Thank talk you for to you joining next week. us. <laughs> yes, we will talk to you next week about a different topic. A Goodbye. new topic. Goodbye.